to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's weird brunch Oh, I'm worked up now too. Let's fucking go fight some people, man. Like my face is red. I can see it. And you're normally like so ghostly, ghostly pale. Who put this color into my face? I was gonna ask about your floating around. Yeah, Mm. yeah. It's a it's a gel called hate. (laughs) (laughs) It's called violence. I woke up with violence in my heart. I choose oh. violence. I always choose violence. Especially, yeah. Man, this week has just been like... Y'all, okay, wait. I feel like we do need to address the fact that today is a moon. full moon, a blood moon, a flower moon, a fucking lunar eclipse, all on the same goddamn day. So the fact yeah. that shit is wild... Moon isn't news. surprising to me. Moon time. Having some moon days. Moon time. Moon, moon time. The dog's going crazy. Moon She's howling howling at the moon. She is. I I don't know the last time I had to bring my weed pen on to, to record, but today's a day. It's, it's a, a moon pen. pen. <laughs> moon yes. pen. It brings the rays of the lunar soul to you. Oh my god. Your dog is dying. <laughs> She sounds like she's dying. Well, she's not a lot because Trish is sleeping and there's food in is the room. Is she though? Can't Trisha sleep like that? <laughs> yes. Right now she can. <laughs> That's yes. impressive. And if I tell you why, I'll have to cut it out because I am upset. Oh, you don't have to tell us why. Yeah. I can see your face. You know my feelings. I do mm. know your feelings. I know you're deeply a hard night. Deeply, come here. Come here. You are okay. Uh, you are okay. Everything also, okay. Buffalo Wild Wings forgot my fucking order. They got all of CJ's food. They didn't no. get any of my food. That's misogyny. It's, that is. It's a hate crime. <laughs> oh, Lisa. You know what though? Uh, this has nothing to do with Buffalo Wild Wings, but it does I have to you do. You were gonna bring me wings right now. <laughs> like knocking on your front door <laughs> this is a fake background mm-hmm. backspace opened up on anderson and they have happy hour every day from four Whoa. to six with half price antipasti and half price all their drinks oh. so okay. when wanna, like, we- john and i went today because I didn't even know it was existence, but we're just going to keep going because it's super fucking cheap. But we're going to yeah. move in. <laughs> yeah, we're going to move in. It'll be good. So if you just keep buying pizza, it's like paying rent. It's similar. That's true. That That's is true. Stay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, I just realized my story ties into that. Oh. Ties into half price like appetizers. Um, not really that part, but, the, <laughs> but the, if you keep buying the pizza, you're basically paying rent. Ooh, Ooh squatters. Kind of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. What a fucking preview. I don't feel like we've talked enough bullshit for me to start, though. Because no, most of the bullshit we talked about before we hit recording. That's true. Yeah. We got it all there out. There was some but- shit. 
We it's not uh, as public as the comedy bullshit from last time, so we will let it simmer. It's not as public, but I do think I, we can do a public appreciation for Louisiana Purchase. Um, Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Drag superstar in Austin, um, yes. out of Austin. Queen of the Queens. Mm-hmm. You would her. know her from the show Dragula, Dragula. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was like a Halloween mm-hmm. special, right? But they did a couple of them. They've done a couple of seasons. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think it kind of. I think it came out originally, like yeah, during fall time. So it lined up with that. But it's yeah. the whole like genre of drag that's horror. Based. Yes, mm-hmm. delightful. So it's it's beautiful. It's everything I want to see. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, yes. Oh yeah, Lisa. I got my pants in from Amazon that are supposed to be like mom style jeans. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I can just see your boob. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Like, what? Did, oh, okay. <laughs> did you mom style, that? Did mom that style look boobs. good? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a hard like time them? with well, like I like them, but I have um very large size. I feel like not like the world's hugest, but they're definitely not like normal sized. So when I get wide leg pants, they genuinely or generally just like fit my thighs like a normal pair of mm. tight pants. Well, one, I think that's hot. I think that's what makes wide leg jeans hot is when you can fill that out too. Uh, What's a normal size thigh? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, come on, it's twenty twenty one. All thighs I, are equal. I need I need a male to tell me. You know, like I need a white man to tell me what's the matter with me. Well, so I can he figure did out when he made your jeans. No, um, that's true. <laughs> I have a similar problem. I've got like the, all my, all my gene volume is needed in the thigh region. Me too. And it's really hard to find the cut that where they think about that. If you're not like in a super plus size space. Like waist is fine. Thighs, Mm -hmm. basically a little tight. Hoping Mm -hmm. I can stretch them out. Yeah. There you do. Do those squats. You'll, you'll at least. Split the jeans and then you'll yeah, be more comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Split it on the crotch. Real, real skanky <laughs> skirt. You know? <laughs> Legion of skanky skirts coming oh, to Austin. Oh, whatever. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty cool. The Legion of skanky skirts is. Uh, yeah. The Count me in. Yeah. The loss yep. is what it is. I will I will name this episode that and see if we get a bump. Oh, I love SEO. Um, <laughs> uh, did, so growing up, it, all of a sudden, it was a thing to have like a long like pencil jean skirt. And oh, yeah. I feel like those are coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitney. Oh yeah, it's like the Kool Aid Man busting into this. Ooh, yeah, I remember situation. those jean skirts, the ones that like came down to your knees. Yes, yeah. Every and, no beyond your knees. Oh, like Ooh. the long, long, like yeah, Little House on the Prairie. I remember those too. I 
It's such a huge, uncomfortable, like very hot thing to wear. Yeah. A waist to floor jean. It's like wearing a fucking sleeping bag. Yes. Do not recommend. Even the ones that like would come to my knee, regardless, if it was knee or longer in a jean skirt, I looked uh, Pentecostal. (laughs) Like, it was, there was just no saving this apple pie looking fucking face from just immediate, this woman should not know what a phone is or whatever. (laughs) Is your husband here, ma'am? Be like, yes, let me go get him. I'm sorry. He's building the barn. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Raising the barn. Were you... So were mm-hmm. you able to pull those off though? I, I feel like you could. I I'm I don't remember I do remember having them. I don't remember confidently wearing them, but there are a few things I remember confidently wearing. I do think I had one <laughs> um preach. Yeah, that uh I had a nice pair of Doc Martin sandals that wasn't like, you know, the lattice kind of Jesus sandal style. It was one big band and I would wear that with that type of jean skirt. I'm pretty sure I only had down to the knee though. I do remember Willow's girlfriend in Buffy the Vampire Slayer like always wore that fucking type of jean skirt. Mm -hmm. Y'all remember her? Yeah, I do now. And she like gets killed. (laughs) Because now I'm if in a you, place. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, if you had just said Willie's, Willow's, blah, 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 I'd be like, eh, I can vaguely picture it, but you're like, and that jean skirt. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, clarity. It, yeah. That's mm-hmm. like, I, I want to, I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing. I don't was, know why it matters. I feel like it was like a hippie esque type of girl, kind of like laid back look, but it was also at the same time kind of like a surfer skater chick look. Like, she would wear it with like some, I don't know, type of skater shoe. And I can picture that in like an alloy magazine similar to Delia's. Do y'all remember alloy? It was kind of like I do. the surfery uh-huh. version of mm-hmm. Delia's. And I remember like a girl like standing like hips thrust forward with a really long jean skirt looking cool and like a fisheye lens kind of deal. So it so. was the one that wasn't Michelle Trachtenberg, correct? Right. That's Buffy's sister. This is a whole. Look, when you look up Willow's girlfriend, it shows you both it shows Kennedy me? and Tara Mac. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. It shows you. You said it shows it you. It does. It's just weird that you said that, like, as I was going to say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it was the blonde chick. Wasn't her name Tara or something? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Was it Tara? Wait. Am I wrong? Am I getting my vampire oh, shows mixed up? You are correct. It is Tara. But if you don't click on on Tara's name on Google, it just looks like Michelle Trachtenberg. Okay. <laughs> appropriate that was Oz mm-hmm. the only good character in that show well 
This has been a weird beginning. <laughs> yeah, we started off kind of raw. Sorry. I think that's okay. I think, I think you know mm. we we're gonna we're gonna get mm-hmm. there. We're gonna have a good time. I like to think yeah. so. I'm very excited about my story. I don't know about y'all, but I am medium excited. But I'll get there. <laughs> Poor pup. I will. Yeah, that's the main thing I'm like. Well, Lisa said she had a segue, so. Yeah, segue. It's a tiny one. It's a Mm -hmm. little, little baby segue. Did we say welcome to Weird Brunch? No. (laughs) Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Howling at the full blood moon. (sighs) That's what Karina's dog is doing. Mm-hmm. She's sure actually is. very spiritual. Yes, thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my tiny segue between buying pizza as a way to pay a pizza place rent to uh, garden hermits—it's just real small, just a okay. real, real. Oh my small goodness. <laughs> Do you need me? Yeah, this is too distracting. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> poor pup. Oh. So, okay. All right. So, now she's close by in her cage, so when she howls, we'll hear it clearly. Good. <laughs> Good. Solved. Perfect. I. I that's. Yeah good for her i'm gonna be more worried if i can hear the, like her trying to break out of the cage because that's when i'm gonna be like shit she's got to get to that moon that's she true. does she does she has a clear shot at the moon here through the back door though okay so she can worship it as she sees fit <laughs> beautiful mm-hmm. um so in the 1800s europe and that's truly not that long ago. Um, this was before the time of ceramic gnomes. Um, so rich people, rich people had other humans, real live humans living in their garden, mm. being a garden hermit. What? <laughs> this is the weirdest fucking thing. I'm excited. Um, so in Georgian England, again in the 1800s, uh, we're having like this is a full moment. Okay, England is having a moment, and that moment is defined by solitude and distinguishing dis or disgusting displays of wealth. Okay, you want okay. people to know how much money you have, but also, man, let's talk about melancholy. Uh, so this was. <laughs> These garden hermits were mostly in England, but it, they did make it up to Scotland and Ireland. Um, but so the reason I said melancholy is like the elite at this time, they had just discovered that feeling, you know, deep and introspective sorrow and, you know, I, I know the pain of living. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that makes you seem smart. So, you know, we all discovered that on Zanga and Life Journal and MySpace. Mm-hmm. Um, but they discovered it, you know, on their own and then oh. did weird shit with it. Um, 
So all these rich people are like, okay, we have this expansive ass, ornate ass garden, but how do we really prove that we're rich as hell and totally get where we're at as a society? Again, melancholy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Real quick history. Um, So garden hermits, you know, obviously that extends from hermits as we think of them, but just hermits in general can be uh, linked back to the Roman emperor Hadrian. Heard of him? What about his wall? Uh, with <laughs> <laughs> jokes and jokes and jokes. It has been a while since I smoked on the podcast. <laughs> um, so he's got a villa in Trivoli, Trivoli. I don't, I'm Texan. That was so bad. Uh, which included a small lake with a structure in it built for one person to retreat. So it's just a place for you to go alone, be left the fuck alone. You're in nature. Cool. When the ruins of this early hermitage were unearthed in the 16th century, it was suggested that Pope Pius IV built one for himself, uh, which he did at the Casina Pio. (laughs) That just sounds Sounds right to me. Um, So there's this, uh, I'm going to reference this guy a couple of times, but Professor Gordon Campbell of the University of Leicester Leicester, right? Leicester or Leicester? Leicester. Leicester. There we go. (laughs) Sorry. Fuck. That's why Karina's here. We're not cultured. We ain't. We ain't never been. We ain't. Horses. Where do those come from? I feel like that's the British equivalent of knowing that it's pronounced man shack. You know, I I think we're just playing into their. British hictum when we Lister. go ahead and say Lester. Yeah. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the University of Lester suggests uh, that Francis of Paola was among the first in the trend as he lived as a hermit in the early 15th century in a cave on his own father's estate. So this guy was like, he was a reverend, um, or no, he was in the church but didn't ever get ordained or something and so then Mm. he just goes and lives in a hole on his daddy's land and i i do like that for him (laughs) i do like that for him that way yeah uh francis later served as a confidant and advisor to king charles the eighth uh so that's kind of how maybe this idea gets spread Thereafter, throughout France, uh, estates of dukes and other lords often included small chapels and other buildings where a resident religious hermit could remain in attendance. So it was kind of like saying, hey, you're uh, into God. You need a place to chill for a minute. Here's this little hobbit hole. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Isn't the word hermitage a Thing? Does it have mm-hmm. to do anything with that, especially within a religious context, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Um, hermitage, as it's used in how I'm talking about it, is going to be like their home 
thing, whatever it is. All right. What, what version of Hermitage are you talking about? I don't know. This is where it comes from. Yes. This whole decorative hermit idea. I love it. No. I, oh. I mean, oh, that I got it. I know that version. Okay. Mm-hmm. Decorative so, hermit. <laughs> I just decorative human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why why did we kick this back up? Um, because at that point it's religious, but from from that point it kind of gradually it verges. You know, it, it gets away from the religion section a little bit, um, and then a lot of that had to do with um, the guy that hated. Uh, Catholics. Um, shit, I should definitely know that. Um, I think there were a lot of them. I don't I know, know if you can was it pinpoint King Henry? one. It was King Henry VIII, right? Oh, I don't I, think he hated yeah, Catholics. He, he was the he was, Protestant one, though. Yeah, he had he a quarrel with them. Created and, Episcopalians. Yes, and then confiscated all Catholic land and money and kicked them off and made them homeless. Okay, but so yeah, it them. was... It was that guy. Yeah. So that's where these like <laughs> hermits and like the little dens kind of start disappearing. Cause he's like, um, you like those people? Mm-mm, not on my watch. Um, so then it becomes less spiritual. Um, and then it's more of a, a uh, kind of a profession, especially in the way I'm going to talk about it. So rather than, you know, just going off to be by yourself uh, and with the Lord, you're now being paid to do something that looks like that. Um, so why did we do this? Well, physical property presents an easy and obvious way to bring the social virtue of melancholy to life, but uh, not simply with design. Good God, no. Mm. Um, At this point, grottos are becoming more popular. So that's another Hobbit hole-esque. I only know the term grotto from uh, Playboy Mansion. Mm. It's mm-hmm. just a little hidey hole. I love it. Um. So uh, this, these are becoming more popular uh, as a place to withdraw for meditation, relaxation, and reflection. Why is that a dick move? Well, with an increased focus on industrialism and production, uh, contemplative garden meditation was viewed as some kind of extravagance, right? Like, oh, you have the time to go. Okay. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, with the lack of uh, personal free time in combination with an increase in disposable income, the popularity of the natural garden landscaping and the rise of neoclassical culture established an environment in which the idea of garden hermits as novelty guests became popular. So by natural garden landscaping, that's what you uh, you think of Marie Antoinette and all the little boxy things, and it's kind of like when something swings back the other way entirely. Um, so then, <laughs> uh, this new style of the garden also it was frequently features a picturesque little hermitage constructed of like brick or stone, 
um, sometimes gnarled tree roots and branches. Uh, many of them were decorated inside with shells or bones to create a suitably atmospheric retreat. Oh. Um, in some early instances, it was more of like uh, people would kind of hint that maybe there was somebody living in their garden. Um, but then we've actually created a job for people. So having a resident hermit quietly contemplating existence and occasionally sharing some golden nugget of wisdom with visitors. It's, uh, you know, this is the must have. <laughs> this is the must have. I'm honestly surprised people don't have this currently. Oh, we will get there. Okay, cool. Um, wealthy landowners began placing want ads in newspapers seeking men who would agree to live in a garden for a span of time, usually around seven years, uh, and devote themselves to a silent, forlorn, if not also wise and mysterious, existence. Oh, that's so cute that it's I forlorn. I know. Like, I know a hundred people who would want this job mm -hmm. and just to like go live somewhere for free and be kind of sad and yeah. every once in a while say something weird to someone they don't know and then yeah. retreat. That's, it's literally the best thing I've ever it heard of. It is my dream also, job. very weird that this yes. is real. Yes. Um, so the more eccentricities the hermit possessed, the better. While some consider modern day hermits preference for like going off on their own is more of a pathological thing in the 18th century Europe. It was like admirable to be like, I'm going off on my own to friggin it's every book we've had to read. Um, mm -hmm. So it often, this role often paid a decent amount of money. Um, I saw somewhere it was the equivalent of like 77,000 salary now. So like, yeah. Um, wow. yeah, good deal. Yeah. Um, so, but you have to be willing to go nearly a decade without a bath or new clothing often. I can do that. Okay. Um, I'm just, just wrapped up a quarantine of how long was that? 15 months <laughs> doing that. So mm -hmm. I can handle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Everybody remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're also, they're encouraged to dress like druids and remain permanently on site so that they can be cared for and fed and consulted for advice and sometimes viewed for entertainment. Uh, these mm. men were hired for the sole purpose of inhabiting a small structure and functioning as any other garden ornament. Let's mm. all keep that in mind. But... <laughs> Hermits would sometimes be asked to make themselves available to guests answering questions and providing counsel, right? Like, oh, welcome to the fucking garden. Um, oh, you're annoying. Go talk to the hermit. Yeah. Oh, you know who could help you with that? The hermit. Uh, mm -hmm. In some cases, the hermits would not communicate with visitors, functioning instead like a perpetual stage play or live diorama. <laughs> Ooh. Yike. Uh, others asked that their hermits not wear shoes or even entertain party guests with personalized poetry or, or 
even two entertain party guests with personalized poetry or the serving of wine. So we're, we're drifting off into a little bit of a different space there. Mm-hmm. Um, this might seem like a whimsical garden feature, but it was actually, like I said, uh, all about the most celebrated of Georgian England emotions, melancholy. Um, mm. So again, the elite are like, whoa, you've got this dude who just sits around and is sad. Oh, man, <laughs> that's the best. I bet he knows so much. He probably knows everything. Who am I going to marry? Um, so what do you do if you can't afford to hire a human? Well, um, some estate owners would, or if they couldn't afford it or didn't want a hermit, which like, honestly, I'd be like, I don't know. Do we know him? I don't know. <laughs> um they would sometimes furnish the hermitage or the little hobbit hole with traditional accessories like an hourglass and a book and glasses. Um, <laughs> so cute. Look at him. Look at the little hermit. He's got a little hourglass. He has a monocle and we got in an hourglass and like a little, st- a little rocking chair. That's way better than a stool. And we make him I use a cane. My- yeah. I got my hermit a human skull. Mm. <laughs> we have a cross it. with Jesus on it and the eyes bleed. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's how you know a wish is being granted. <laughs> Everyone it loves him. That everybody dies. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. I. So other people, like, they would just use the hermitages themselves. So they would just chill and actually use it as it was meant to be. Um, In 1763, the botanist Gilbert White managed to persuade his brother, the Reverend Henry White, to temporarily put aside his reverend clothes and pose as a wizened sage at Gilbert's estate for the amusement of his guests. Uh, one of the guests later wrote in her diary, in the middle of tea, we had a visit from the old hermit. His appearance made me start. He sat some, there's no punctuation. He sat some <laughs> with us and then went away after tea. We went, oh, see, and then went away. After tea, we went into the woods <laughs> Uh, returned to the hermitage to see it by lamp uh, and never he it looked really cute whatever very happy great day yeah mm-hmm. um and then so that's like how people would be like you know hey check that out fucking y'all tell y'all go run and tell about my hermit my hermit's tight um another yeah. one of the ads that was placed um for a hermit in residence was from Charles Hamilton, and it says, He shall be provided with a Bible, optical glasses, a mat for his feet, a hassock for his pillow, an hourglass for timepiece, water for his beverage, and food from the house. He must wear a camlet robe, and never, under any circumstances, must he cut his hair, beard, or nails." Stray beyond the limits of Mr. Hamilton's grounds or exchange one word with the servant. 
Wow. I mean, I think my biggest problem with that would be the cutting your nails thing. Right. Not my fingernails because those will just fucking break off. It just happens. But like my toenails, like I'm going to get ingrown toenails if I can't fucking deal with that shit. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take care of your hermit with like basic. Yeah. You need a vet. Basic hermit needs. Mm -hmm. Well, but then they wouldn't look the part, you know? They wouldn't look like an old man who's been lost in the fucking woods for. Yeah. They want a fucking. We will, what's his name? The guy who falls asleep in the woods. Uh, wrinkle in time. No, it is Winkle <laughs> Rip something. Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. I was, there's a wishbone about it. That's wishbone. all I know. There's a wishbone. <laughs> um, oh, hell yeah. So that guy, Hamilton, he hires a hermit for a seven-year term under, you know, those those conditions. Um, and that hermit lasted three weeks until he was fired because he was found at the local pub. I was going to say. Mm. My dude. Hell, yes. Do it. Gotta Easy get job. him drunk. Just it. keep him drunk. Yeah. Um one of the more famous Georgian hermits was Father Francis, who lived at Hawkstone Park in Shropshire. Shrop, 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 I can Shropshire. I can't say that one. Shropshire. Shropshire. I bet okay. that's what it is. Because they don't ever say Shire. Right? Not unless they're hobbits. Yeah, unless you're a hobbit. Like, Shire, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. is like an American pronunciation. Shropshire. Worcestershire. I sound drunk. Worcestershire. I guess most of their cities sound drunk. Um, so, just like they're hermits. Yes. Zing. Zing. Um, so he was in a summer hermitage. Uh, this is Father Francis. So, summer hermitage made with stone walls, a heather thatched roof, and oh. a stable door. So this is a pretty fucking nice Beautiful. one, if you ask me. Uh, Inside, he would sit at a table strewn with symbolic items like a skull, an hourglass again, Mm -hmm. um, and a globe while conversing with visitors. He would offer spiritual guidance and ponderings on the nature of solitude. Um, So popular was this hermit that, um, you know, people really were like coming in a lot. And then the, the family who owned the park um, built a pub. <laughs> so <laughs> there were so many people. Um, and then let's see in a 1784 guide to the Hawkstone estate. Sir Richard Hill describes his, uh, the resident hermit uh, in quotes, uh, you pull a bell and gain admittance. The hermit is generally in a sitting posture with a table before him on which is a skull, the emblem of mortality, an hourglass, a book, and a pair of spectacles. The venerable barefooted father, whose name is Francis, if awake, always rises up to the approach of strangers. He seems about 90 years of age, yet has all his sense to admiration. He is tolerably conversant (laughs) and far from being unpolite. So it's like a sales pitch. Um, And then, so at the other hour is why he said, if awake, 
Um, they believe that they replaced uh, him with a mannequin um, or an automation. So there were actually a few people who created uh, robot. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Really? Wait, what time period are we in? <laughs> I know. They were making like. They're like, like steampunk. Ferris Bueller <laughs> during the day <laughs> in bed type. But like can move. I, it's bizarre. And like what a needle would drop on a phonograph and it would just say, go away, I'm sleepy. Yes. Go away, I'm sleepy. And, and that's how you win mousetrap. Um, <laughs> and there's the cheese. Uh, the oh, ornamental hermit vanished at the end of the 18th century. Um, and there's a book that Professor Gordon Campbell, who I mentioned earlier, um, he's got called The Hermit in the Garden. And it chronicles the remains of the uh, hermitage in a catalog of hermitages, uh, listing whether they're destroyed, existent, or never built at all. So some of these are like they just found this uh, plan or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the humble hermit may not have left us entirely. Uh, So... 2002 a uk Ooh. performance artist Ooh. a uk performance artist uh and and suma this uh responded to staffordshire county council's application for one weekend as a resident hermit stipend provided so he did that and then um Beast was was uh, lived uh, a hermit again in 2009, spending 40 days and nights in a gothic tower attached to the Manchester Museum. And then uh, at that point, there was a webcam and a blog. And so he let the public observe his experience of 40 days in uh, this gothic tower. It's like um, watching the bird's nest on like. <laughs> mm-hmm. The eagles hatched. The- yeah. Yeah. Same deal. In 2012 to 2014, Berlin performance artist Friedrich Lichtenstein. Friedrich? Lichtenstein. Are y'all related? Mm-hmm. It's like a first name, last name thing. Mm-hmm. That's it's just it's the opposite in Germany, you know. The yes. original of the Friedrichs, mm-hmm. all uh-huh. subsequent Friedrichs. Yeah, maybe you know him. Friedrich Friedrich. You know, there's <laughs> um, somewhere so, in Germany there is one. You know uh, it for sure. Yeah. There might be one in like Bernie, Texas. Oh yeah, Friedrich Friedrich exists. Hmm. Um. So he was an ornamental hermit, um, but if you look at where he, it was like downtown, he was like that tower right there in this like really beautiful downtown building. (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, (laughs) of course you're going to, what the fuck? Right. Uh, And then in, let's see, 2014, Switzerland, uh, there was a job posted for a hermit. Um, and it was uh, an ad placed by a small alpine city where the like one of the main people there was like, I don't like people. 
Um, So they hired a hermit to be like, hello, welcome. I'm a hermit. Um, And then at the end of April of 2017, uh, this is the most recent one I could find, a new hermit, 58-year-old Stan Van Uchtrecht, moved into a hermitage in Salfaden, Austria, uh, high up in the mountains, uh, 50 people applied for his position. Um, That's not that many. That's surprisingly low. I honestly don't blame any of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, despite the lack of internet running water or heating. Um, the, oh, never mind. Now I <laughs> the like, hermitage. Okay. Sorry. I don't want to derail this. No, like, like, how do you interview for that job? Like, do you just go in and you're like, I'm not going to say a single word. So they're going to just sit in the corner mysterious or like you bring in like a crystal ball or like you have a crow that sits on your shoulder with an hourglass. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's a a performance (laughs) right there. Um, yeah, I I feel like it's a do you look the part? Mm-hmm. Um and then like if I don't show up to the interview, am I fucking winning? Am I winning then? <laughs> right? If you don't show up to you the can't interview, even fucking find me. Wait until the interviewer mm-hmm. is coming out of the building at night and then like almost like run up to him really quickly but don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Or if you do bad in your interview, do you say you're going to like put a hex on them if they don't give you the job? I I would just go sit in a bush on at their house. Oh, or to notice me. You like, know just, what? Oh, I've been in the bush for a week, and they'd be like, oh, "You I got think, the goods." I was kid. gonna say, I think I've got it. I think you just mm-hmm. fucking move in. You just do it. You don't even go to the interview. You fucking mm-hmm. move into the house and scare their children in the morning. Well, you gotta find your you gotta find your hobbit hole though. You can't just move into the house. That's beyond hermit. I thought it was the hermit house, is what I'm talking about. Oh, not into the actual house. Like, okay, move into the hermitage or hole or whatever they're having you stay in, and just be like, I am here. Because ultimately, I think that's what they're all looking for. Like, they all wish they moved into an old house with a creepy old person who says ominous things to them. I mean, is this what is this what Cato Kalin was? Was he like OJ's hermit? Is that does that explain that? He was more than a hermit, more like than yes. a hermit to me. I was, was gonna timely? go. I was gonna go with the. Um, well, not at what, all. <laughs> like I don't know why Prop B passed because there's not enough hermitages. That's where maybe that's the fucking it. solution. You're <gasps> yes. right. Yes, we'll just rebrand yes. Austin as the live hermit capital of the world. That is the now solution to homelessness problem. in Austin, yes. Texas. There you oh go. my god! All the fucking rich fucks out in Terrytown and oh Westlake have to take mm-hmm. on a hermit. Mm-hmm. I know Done. I'm high. I am about to cry with this dude. Idea. It's, it's so actually good. brilliant. <laughs> And would literally solve all of our problems. And everyone would benefit. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God. We just fixed it. Go Damn. home. Lisa, oh. you fixed the fucking homeless problem in Austin, Texas. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so impressed. Mm-hmm. This Thank wasn't you. even something I was considering. Mm-mm. You no, did it. Why would you? Why would you? Up until you today, I didn't know about it. I want, I want someone to live in my backyard. I mean, we do have a large space in the backyard that is fenced off that nothing is in that somebody could live in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when we have people over, they could come out and say crazy shit. Every major green belt gets a hundred. I'm pretty sure hermits. every green belt yes. already has a hundred. A century of hermits. If they That's don't, they do. will. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> Wow. Well, that's amazing. I love it. It's a, it's a solution, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to, you know, that's what I like to bring to the table. Right? Um, we don't have to criminalize homelessness. We can find a better solution. Yeah. Everyone gets yeah. an hourglass. Everyone gets an hourglass, yes. a fucking skull, a, maybe a pet crow or like a rat or like even like a scruffy little dog. Aww. Or like a really mean cat. That's what I would want if oh. I were to become one. I feel like that's what's in my future as an old woman. <laughs> or crone, <laughs> if you will. Like I, I'm yes, pretty sure I will. That's, that's what that's what I'd be into. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm pro crone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely pro crone. Pro crone. I love it. Well, so yeah. What do you got, Whitney? Oh my god. Okay, so my story is not Okay. It's about different types of people. So mm-hmm. kind of similar to Lisa's story in that manner. However, mine is much 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 more modern. Um as in like present day. And uh, this is the story of Rainforest 2015. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. Rainforest. I'm saying mm-hmm. Rainforest. R-A-I-N-F-U-R-R. Is this a furry story? It mm-hmm. is. Oh, G-T-F-O. Oh. Okay. I might have to go off camera. Because you are one. I'm just going to get too hot. Get too hot. I will say, I am not kink shaming anybody for any of this stuff. No. But Rainforest 2015 happened to be a catastrophic disaster. It does sound like you're slurring. I might be. I could be. No, no, for like, because I'm saying Rainforest. Yes. Rainforest. Yes. <laughs> Rainforest so, rain. Yes. So we've got like yes. a, this is like a furry fire fest, basically. Uh, it's more established. So let's, okay. let's start off with uh, what Rainforest is. So mm-hmm. Rainforest was a furry convention. And if you're unfamiliar with what furries are, which I assume some people are, right? Um, furries are people who dress up in um, kind of like mascot outfits. Like, oh, look, you're like fucking 
Tony the Tiger, but you have like a legitimate like full body headpiece. It's like the masked singer. I know people Where watch that. Like, I never watch that show. Yeah, but I know what it is. I only know what it is because of Who Weekly. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but um but I mean, we need to get them to sponsor. Us. Yeah. I I should say you don't have to so you don't have to wear an actual furry costume to be a furry. That's just people who like to go to conventions. It's almost kind of like a Comic-Con thing. Like you can be into Comic-Con and go to Comic-Con, but you don't have to dress up and like cosplay to be there, if that makes sense. So you just got to respect. Yes. You just, you know, you like it. It's a whole kind of like alternative community of people who like to uh, maybe write like fan fiction and uh, pretend like they're animals and like do a whole thing. And you know what? If that's your bag, fucking go and do it. You're all open to doing whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. So Rainforest furry convention it's first held in august of 2007 at the holiday inn seattle SeaTac airport hotel my god so classy right uh so we're in SeaTac. back then uh it was a new one but still a kind of significant one there were 370 furs in attendance to the inaugural event um they had a great time people loved it by 2010 let's skip ahead a few years there's over a thousand attendees to their sixth Mm. convention people are coming from all over the world i mean who wouldn't want to go to seattle even if i guess you're just going to the airport area whatever floats your boat (laughs) by 2011 Mm -hmm. it's almost at 1500 like it's growing by about 30 ish percent every year and people are into it they have like fun activities they do an ice cream social they have mingling they have different um famous like furry people every year who speak and they have panels did they play kit tac toe (laughs) is that a thing i mean they probably probably. did i don't they might have cool joke lisa fun it up a little (laughs) Um, some of the, (laughs) some of the names of the guests of honor over the years were Ware Puppy, uh, Graveyard Greg, Beetle Cat, uh, Fur Planet. Like there's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch, it's a bunch of different furry people, a bunch of people in this community who are very into it. So it's going good. It's growing. It's always out at the SeaTac Airport Hotel, whoever owns it at the time. Like it was the Holiday Inn. Then it turns into the Marriott. Then it turns into uh, the Hilton by mm-hmm. 2015 when the fucking shit legitimately hit the fan. So. Rain Forest 2019 or 2015 was the ninth 
instance of the Rainforest Convention happened in September at SeaTac Hilton. And the theme was swords and sorcery. Ooh. Um, the guests of honor were Jan, uh, some other person and some other person like it didn't matter. I just wanted to say Jan, but not just Jan <laughs> from uh, Drag Race. There were 20, over 2,700 attendees. 492 of them were fursuits and fursuits are the people who do actually dress up in like a full on kind of mascot style furry outfit. Okay. Every single rainforest, they raise money for the Cougar Mountain Zoo. And oh. this year, they the year of 2015, they raised $10,000, which was, I think, their most. I think the first time they did it, it was like $300. So things are getting better, right? That's what you think. But it wasn't that great. And how do I know that? It's because I watched a full video about all the shit that ended up happening at Rainforest 2015. So a lot of the, that's why I wanted to start out with, I'm not kink shaming and that's not what I'm here for. There is a lot of like people who obviously constantly make fun of the furry community who think that it's, like a lot of, uh, I read a bunch of Reddit posts in the Reddit furry subreddit about mm -hmm. going to cons and growing up and like being into the furry community and how they would be called like the F word, the anti-gay F word mm -hmm. because they were into mm -hmm. furry. And it's it's just shitty to do that to people. So don't fucking do that. But mm -hmm. a lot of what went bad in 2015 Rainforest was related to a bunch of the sexual things that are associated with the furry community. And, you know, one bad apple can spoil the bunch and a few can like really do it. And that's what fucking happened. So everyone's at Rainforest 2015. It's going good. But people start to get fucking wild. Turns out someone had bought brought 2,000 canisters of nitrous oxide to the Oops. furry convention to like. So nitrous oxide is laughing gas. And everyone, yeah. like not everyone, but a whole fucking bunch of furries are getting fucked up on this nitrous oxide and getting yeah. wild. This sounds like the best. <laughs> so... <laughs> Someone goes into one of the toilets and is like, I'm going to loosen this up. They loosen up the bolts at the bottom of the toilet so that the next time somebody comes in and they flush it, it just oh. starts leaking water. And it leaks so bad that it floods two and a half inches deep and starts to leak into the basement below the toilet, causing like leaking onto the servers, like the computer servers for the hotel, fucking all that shit up. The staff the, wow. was it was it like for a prank? Or I was mean, it just I, let, the water needs to be free? I don't this think it was the foxes. I don't think it was <laughs> the water needs to be free. I do think it was just like uh I don't know. 
crazy Hi, high thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the staff at the SeaTac Hilton are already starting to get pissed. They like had to call out some fucking plumber. They're like, holy shit, there's water everywhere. Call someone. While that's happening, there are multiple furries up in the other rooms of the hotel who are disabling their uh, fire alarm, like smoke alarms, because they want to hotbox their rooms, which is a fire violation. Like, you can't fucking do that. Like, we've all been there, but also mm-hmm. maybe don't do that. Just put the towel over. You know, or like do the thing where you blow through or the towel. Or your spare costume. Yeah. Or yeah, mm-hmm. just smoke inside your furry hood. You could do that too. Uh, also, if you're a skunk, you could do that. Oh, I'm, I'm having some good fun. There you go. It's true. Mm-hmm. So have sex however you want. Okay. <clears throat> the outside, there's a nice big old hot tub and what do the bad furries do they go out there they grab all the fucking hotel towels that are provided they throw them into the hot tub and then they roll up a bunch of them and shove them into the pumping mechanism for the hot tub which causes the hot tub to uh kind of like implode and stop working so they break the hot tub there was also apparently a ball pit that someone took a shit in a actual pool that someone took a shit in um (laughs) animals okay not housebroken there are rumors (laughs) that glory holes were being drilled in the public lobby bathroom doors fuck yes that was a holiday inn what no well it's a hilton SeaTac okay. Airport Hotel. If it was a Holiday Inn. I was going to say that's just the, the, that comes with those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rumors of glory's hole, glory holes being drilled in the public bathrooms. Uh, people are also starting to get so fucked up that other people are like, "Okay, oh my god, we have to fucking call an ambulance for you." So, mm-hmm. among the people who did dumber shit. Uh, a couple guys went too hard on mushrooms, freaked out. They called the ambulance. Sure. We've all been yeah. there. Yeah. Um, a hotel or no, not a hotel staff member, an actual staff member, probably from the furry convention. I think he was a volunteer gets arrested for sexually assaulting one of the attendees. Another attendee gets arrested. I'm s- Sorry. Go ahead. Ooh. I mean, what? who else would volunteer other than like a person who's going to sexually yeah. assault a furry? I mean, I agree. I feel like those people need to be vetted. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. I see what you did there. I didn't mean okay. to, but it, I'm happy to. about it. <laughs> Gotta okay. go to the vet. Uh, another <clears throat> attendee is arrested for like, uh, normal assault, I guess you could say, not sexual nope. assault. I wanted to say regular assault, but like sexual assault say, just is your good worse. old classic assault. Classic assault. The, the best, the original, the classic. Yes. The, mm-hmm. I feel like rape is the classic assault, but I don't Ooh. know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, um, right. It's all no. terrible. Don't fucking assault people. <clears throat> so at this point, Oh, also, 
a bunch of people are getting alcohol poisoning because everybody's partying so hard. They're just hammered and going wild. At this point, there are two ambulances on site at the SeaTac Airport Hotel. They also have a few cops out there and the cops realize that there's people just straight up dealing drugs in the parking lot. So they arrest a bunch of people for dealing drugs and people for buying drugs from the drug dealers, which makes sense. Wait, when was this? 2015. Uh, It wasn't legalized then, was it? Yeah, it was. I I don't know what drugs it was. It probably, yeah, it probably wasn't weed, but. Yeah. Uh, if they found 2,000 canisters of nitrous, like, I, I can only imagine what yeah, kind you're of really drugs are going in there. Starting from the top, now you're, you know <laughs> Yeah. I mean? So, mm-hmm. at this, you know, all this shit is happening, literally. It's about to happen some more. So, there's a thing that's popular, um. I guess it's kind of like a form of ASMR, but it's called crinkling, Mm -hmm. which I had never Mm -hmm. heard of. And do you want to know what crinkling is? Let me tell you. Crinkling is the sound Mm -hmm. of a crinkling diaper. Oh. That's specific. Thought it was going to be. Specifically diapers. So there are a fuck ton of a adults wearing diapers walking around mm-hmm. the furry mm-hmm. convention the problem is those costumes are hard to get on well that's the thing is that it's not really the fursuits people who are wearing them it's actual human like people who are just there and they're all fucked up and they're all wearing diapers and a bunch of them have shit themselves so there are like legitimate dirty diapers with adult human dookie this everywhere i stand corrected this is fear and loathing in the SeaTac fucking Hilton Airport, Airport Hotel. Hotel. <laughs> yes. So this is insane what you're saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's people walking around in their diapers full of their own shit. Uh, they start throwing trash and stuff everywhere. Like any like old food is discarded into like the courtyards at the Hilton Hotel, like everywhere. These people with dirty diapers start putting them places, like in people's cars, in the elevators, like throwing around their dirty diapers. Um, the how how okay, and just like how is this continuing to to go on? It's like a (laughs) three day situation. What so? Uh, the elevators also, like I said, get fucked up. A bunch of people have been trying to force elevators open like while it was closed and they end up fucking that up. And they also end up fucking up like the buttons by kicking them instead of like pressing them. And it's like all kind of like literally shitty from all the diapers and stuff. And Mm. it generally goes pretty terribly um they have like a talent show like i said they had a ice cream social like that type of stuff um i watched 
part of the talent show. It is on YouTube. It is an hour and a half long. If you Google, um, 2015 rainforest variety show, I highly, highly recommend it. And by highly, I mean, you should be high, but it is the most awkward thing I have ever fucking seen. It's a woman hosting it with like a puppet, but the puppet is somebody else and nobody laughs at anything. Everyone just, uh, please, please go watch it. Um, (laughs) yes. What? So like, was the, did they do all the group activities like day one and then they got fucked up and couldn't see straight for two days? Or was it like in between being completely Okay. I think it was in between. Like, obviously, not all of this stuff happened like exactly at once, but the hotel was taking note of all of this. (laughs) What if they weren't? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, this was the ninth installment. Up until 2015, everything in general had been pretty chill with the furry convention with Rainforest. But 2015 obviously went way off the rails. And after it was over, the SeaTac Hilton was like, this is writing, typing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They're like, what's up, Rainforest board? Because they do have a board. And they're like, y'all fucked up our hotel so hard. We have over $150,000 worth of damages going on here. And the rainforest board, sorry, it's hard to say rainforest board is like, (laughs) you know what? We're so sorry about that. We had like some bad fucking weirdos there. We didn't, Obviously, like, this isn't the community that you know. Like, we spent eight years here and nothing like this happened. And they were like, we don't give a fuck. And they're like, well, we'll pay for it. We're insured for it. And they're like, we don't even want your fucking money. You cannot ever come back here and do this. And we're going to tell every other hotel in Seattle not to fucking take your toxic event. And they're like, wow, yikes. That's extreme. And the SeaTac Hilton is like, yeah, well, we're fucking extreme. So we're Hilton. (laughs) We are Hilton. Uh, So 2016 rolls around and Rainforest cannot find anyone to take the event. They even reach out. Like to like Spokane, Washington, like they're trying everywhere. And somebody that wasn't from the Hilton has been sending letters to all of the hotels in like the immediate area, warning them not to take the fucking rainforest convention. And from what I've seen, the furry community knows who is doing it. They think it's the same person that was putting shitty diapers on people's <gasps> cars. And this person was like inwardly sabotaging the rainforest yeah. community. And they what? won't fucking say who it is. But rainforest, as we know it, was canceled in 2016 and despite promising to come back, it has 
never, ever come back because it can't overcome the whole fiasco of Rainforest 2015. Wow. And they think it was someone on the inside. (gasps) That story makes me feel everything. Heavens to Betsy. I mean, that's sad that it hasn't come back. There are a lot of different um, furry conventions, and Mm -hmm. I might do the next episode that we record on a different Mm -hmm. one because there's some drama with some other ones. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. But I, I, I really do highly recommend that everybody go watch Rainforest Variety Show 2015 on YouTube. Oh. It's 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 a lot. It's very cringy. It's, on a show. it's a lot. I mean, okay. it's something. It starts out with a band trying to sing Bruno Mars very terribly. Oh. Uh, and yeah. Lisa, yeah. I genuinely think you would really enjoy it. Hell yeah. Oh, and there's, hold on. This is somebody singing our, our very good, like, I feel like it's our group song, but it's Wake Me Up by Evanescence. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fucking course. She sounds pretty good. Can you hear Yeah. 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 Right. Or I, think I mean, this... are you sure she's not lip syncing? I mean, she's, I mean, she's she's she's. It's just her singing along to the actual song. Okay. So Got there's it. not a band there. Uh, that is just her singing. But the the guy who sings, hold on here. Okay, I can. Yep, yeah. I can deal with that. He's you. There's a lot you of can hand movements that. going on. Anyways. Um, I only had time to watch maybe like 15 minutes of the variety show, but after we're done recording, I'm going to watch maybe the whole thing because <laughs> it's so good. Can't recommend it enough. Mm. I just, is there's not like a shit diaper on the backdrop, is there? Um, apparently there was a, not a, not a backdrop shit diaper, but the reason 2015 rainforest blew up so much was because a photo of like an adult wearing a shitty diaper walking around started like circulating in the rainforest community and then kind of got out into the public. So there's that. Yeah. Here to be shitty. Well, yeah. Dare to be shitty. Mm. (laughs) Dare to be shitty. <laughs> you know? Um, okay. Well, let me think here. Segway. Speaking <laughs> of people who lived an unusual life. All right. Okay. Let's. 
This is the, uh, man, hold on. Sorry, the car's gear is shifting hard on this one, but <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Helen Detweiler. Do you guys know Helen Detweiler? I know that name. I feel like I was about to talk about her today. Really? Maybe. What's her okay. deal? <laughs> well, she has a lot of deals. Let's talk about her. So Helen Detweiler was born uh, in 1914 in Washington, D.C., which feels like weird. I mean, I know people live and work there, but the idea of somebody being born there just kind of weirds me out. Yeah, but, I feel like you'd get the fuck out of there before you give birth. Well, she got the fuck out pretty quickly. So she was born to uh, William Detweiler and his wife, Helen, and they owned a restaurant and a bakery there in the District of Columbia. And uh, Billy Detweiler, her daddy, and, uh, you know, he just loved sports. And she was the firstborn, but then she had two younger brothers and they all played sports together. So in the 1920s, we're talking like flapper feminism time. She was really big into tennis, of course. Softball, sure. Baseball, hardcore. And football, fuck yeah. All right? All right. Helen was doing it all, playing with her brothers, mixing it up, scrapping with the boys. Wait, her name was Helen and her mom's name was Helen? So she was Helen yeah. Jr.? She was Helen Little. She was Helen Jr. Helen yes, the second. H2. Yes. H2. Oh, okay. So in her teens, her brother, Billy was one of the top amateur golfers in the world. And, uh, he bet her that she couldn't hit the ball three times if she tried. And she's like, I play softball and baseball. I'm sure I can whack a golf ball. And so she picked up a club and she lost the bet and she had to buy him an ice cream soda. Isn't that adorable? Two years later, she won the D.C. Women's Championship in golf <laughs> as a teenager. This is the kind of lady that Helen Detweiler was. She was recognized as one of the longest hitters of all female golfers in the country. One sports writer called her the girl with a man's golf swing. Oh, <laughs> I think I, I think I do remember what the, I think I know. I'm excited. She was a full southpaw. She wrote and threw left-handed, but she golfed right-handed. Just a little bit of trivia. Anyway, Helen went on because, you know, obviously she's got all this badass inside of her to go to college, which was pretty special in the 1930s. Yeah. She graduated from Trinity College in Washington, D.C. And for a graduation present, her mother or her grandmother, excuse me, gave her $500 cash. That's like a million dollars. Mm -hmm. It is like a million dollars in the Great Depression. So she took that money and she went to Florida. And she spent the winter of 1935 and 36 playing golf against the best golfers that she could find until she bumped into Babe Didrikson, famous lady golfer of the 1930s, Olympic athlete. Nickname came from comparisons made to Babe Ruth. That's how good she was. Just a dominant golfer, Babe Didrikson and... Helen Detweiler are best friends. Where was playing around the, and playing golf. Where was Babe from? Florida. Florida. Hmm. Yep. Okay. So uh, Helen went back to uh, D.C. and won the Maryland State Women's Championship and started entering amateur women's golf tournaments around the country. That's where she ran into Clark Griffith, 
who was the owner of the Washington Senators baseball team. They bumped into each other at the Congressional Country Club in suburban Maryland, and uh, they fell to talking, and she was out of college and looking for work, amateur golf not paying much money. And he said, why don't you come work for the Washington Senators? She said, you betcha. And that's where she started helping the team's broadcaster, Arch McDonald, who took such a shine to her that he gave her her own 15-minute radio show called The Women's Side of Sports. Oh, WJSV. So for 15 minutes every day, Helen Detweiler got on the old radio, and this is back before TV, so radio was a big fucking deal, and talked sports. That's what got her her first job in baseball that people know about when she and uh, General Mills sponsored her to go on a tour of minor league baseball teams doing baseball announcing on the broadcast as a play-by-play announcer as a stunt. Uh, They did a press release with her headshot. She's really pretty, touting her as a 23-year-old vivacious blonde Baseball's first lady broadcaster, va-va-boom. So they're sitting around to all these AAA towns, and she kicked ass at it. She was so good. So uh, sports writers often called baseball play-by-play people idiots. But uh, one columnist in the Rochester Democrat Times said Detweiler was an exception. And here is his little blurb about her. We listen to Miss Detweiler, a clean-complexioned blonde girl who doesn't smoke, drink, or say even as much as damn, broadcast the first inning of a Red Wing Baltimore game Thursday night. She has something. Kept a running line of comment using vernacular that was almost flawless. Had to be corrected just once by Harry McTeague, and that's when she had Priscilla at bat instead of Crabtree. Helen is no phony on the air. She knows her fielder's choices and infield outs and astounds doubting Thomases at Fanning Bees with her shrewd knowledge of technical baseball. I don't know what all of that means. Beautiful. Doubting Thomases. A glowing review. In fact, she was doing so well that when she stopped by in Cincinnati, the legendary broadcaster Red Barber invited her on air to call a couple of innings for the Reds versus Phillies game, meaning that she was the first lady and to, until the 21st century only lady to ever call play-by-play for a Major League Baseball game. Damn. Wow. This all and in two months, she visited 25 cities in two months in 1935 by train and just called games all around. Um, it wasn't until 1976, uh, that's that's when there was another female announcer in the booth. And it was until in 2016, there are still only two women working regularly in the booth. Jessica Mendoza, who's on Sunday Night Baseball for ESPN, and Susan Waldman, of course, uh, color analyst for the Yankees. So... After this summer, Detweiler, who has a radio show and was a radio broadcaster and a champion golfer, went back to golf, won the Western Open in 1939, and signed a contract to promote Wilson Golf Gear. She's becoming kind of a sports superstar for a chick, Um, but she's still not earning any money at it. She's making her money by basically working for the Senators. And she was just about to... uh, do some more professional golf stuff and try to get that going in 1941 when Pearl Harbor happened. Mm -hmm. She put away her clubs and she joined the army and she became a cryptographer in Washington 
Very quickly, within months, teaching code-breaking techniques to other women because Helen could do anything. What? In fact, I love her. I love her. She impressed Army Brass so much with her technical and mathematical knowledge uh, that they said, you should go over to the Army Air Forces. That's where we need you. And she said, okay. So she transferred to the Air Forces where she found out about the Women Air Force Service Pilots or WASPs. Mm-hmm. Love it. Do you guys know about the wasps? <laughs> yes. No. Women Air Force mm-hmm. service pilots. Basically, what happened by 1943, too many pilots had been shot down. Wah, wah. So the army was forced to let the ladies try their hand at it. And that's how women became pilots. Jacqueline Cochran, a celebrated pilot who was the first woman to fly faster than the speed of sound had written to First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt saying, come on, women can fly an airplane. It's not that hard. The military generals, of course, hated it. But once they ran out of men to do it, boom, the ladies could fly non-combat duty. And thus were the wasps born. Their job was to fly the airplanes to the battlefield and then let the men fly them around on the battlefield. They also test flew repaired planes, towed targets, and worked as flight instructors. You can teach, you just can't do. Wait, what are the women doing when they fly a thing to the dudes and then the dudes fly fly it it around? Where it was manufactured, and then they would fly it to the aircraft carrier or Air Force Base. They get it to deliver deliver the plane. Okay, to a safe. And then they take it to to the battlefield, the boys do. Got it. Got it. Yes. Well, here's the thing. So uh, Jacqueline Cochran, who wrote to Eleanor Roosevelt, she was the unit's director. Detweiler got a job as her assistant. Cochran realized Detweiler can do anything she wants. And she says, hey, have you ever flown a plane? And Detweiler said, well, yeah. Funny story. One summer, right after I'd finished announcing baseball games for Major League Baseball, I got stuck in Ohio. So I took some flying lessons and I got 20 flying hours to my credit. How many do you need to enter the Wasps? And Cochran said, 35. She said, okay. And she hurried to Cleveland and she got another 15 and she became a pilot. Holy shit. This In fact, she became one of 13 women qualified to fly the B-17 motherfucking flying fortress, the four-engine workhorse that ended up doing most of the bombing in World War II. And she delivered all the B-17s to the Western Front from there on out. I'm a fucking failure. I've done nothing. I've done, she got done to do this in my life. She got to do this for one year until uh, in 1944, the army declared that enough men had signed up for the army. Thank you, ladies. We don't need you anymore. And the wasps were disbanded. Because they were women, they had been hired as civilian employees and they were not recognized as military veterans until Jimmy Carter changed that in 1977. Um, even though they were just delivering airplanes to the battlefield, that didn't make the part where they were close to the battlefield any safer. 38 wasps were killed during non-combat service. Moment of silence for all the women who died in combat but were never recognized as combatants for some fucking reason. Well, yeah, and also why wouldn't they attack them when it's on, like, delivery? That seems like the easiest way to do it. Yeah. So they (sighs) served. And they were recognized far too late to get any of the benefits of. They did not benefit from the GI Bill or anything like that. The whole story of the wasps, a whole thing. Is there a movie but about that? Water, I feel like there should I be. I don't think so. A league of their own. I mean, yeah. fucking for real. 
So anyway, Detweiler, one of the best wasps. Awesome. She survived. After the war, Jackie Cochran, the director of the wasps who wrote to Eleanor Roosevelt, etc., said, hey, you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of well-to-do. I live out in this ranch in California. I was thinking maybe we could take some of the ranch and put some golf holes on it so we could play some golf. You play golf, right? Detweiler was like, sure, do. She's like, oh, do you know anybody who could help us build a golf course? And she goes, I can do it. And she goes out there and she designs a nine-hole golf course. The this first bitch. woman to ever design a golf course. This bitch. What coinage the- she on? <laughs> the, uh, the no-scent piece. <sighs> um, it became part of the Indian Palms Country Club, now known as Indian Wells, which is on the PGA Tour. Um, not the nine holes she designed. That was the nine hole circuit, but still. So she gets back. She designs this country club in a uh, golf course in California. She's sitting around. She's like, you know, I am good at golf. Let's do this professionally. Women can do this professionally. I was thinking about this before the war. Let's do it. The men aren't doing very well. The PGA is not making a lot of money, but I know old Babe Didrikson. She'll join. She's famous. I'm famous. Let's do it. So they put together something called the Women's Professional Golf Association. Um, They patched together a few tournaments. She was the runner-up in the National Women's Open, collecting a check for $1,000. And then she signed Babe Didrikson, who joined the tour in 1947. And Didrikson became a star. Mm. In fact, uh, Detweiler said um, she thinks she's the whole show. And of course she is. I love everybody that. loved Babe Didrikson because not only was she extremely good at golf, like better than most male players, but she was hilarious and hilarious and hilarious. She would often be known for getting onto the tee, wiggling her butt and say, gentlemen, I'm about to loosen my girdle and let it fly. And then she would smack a golf ball like all the way down the course. I love so her. A lot of fun. Yeah. Oh man. She knows. Mm-hmm. Babe and Detweiler appeared with a couple of other athletes in the 1952 Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn movie, Pat and Mike, which is all about lady golfers. Uh, Catherine Hepburn plays a lady golfer who's patterned after Detweiler and Didrikson. Uh, Babe has a cameo in which she's supposed to lose to Catherine Hepburn's character, but she demanded a rewrite because she couldn't stand to lose even a fictional match and the rewrite they did. <laughs> hmm. Uh, Detweiler never won an LPGA events because she was kind of getting up there. She left the tour in the 1950s because now she finally had a steady job that paid pretty well as a golf pro teaching people at Indian Wells in California, people who didn't know how to golf and then learned how to golf from her included Mm -hmm. Lucille Ball, Jack Benny, Dwight David Eisenhower, (laughs) um, and others, Bob Hope. Um, So she ended up being the teacher to all the golf stars of the 1950s. In 1958, uh, the LPGA, uh, which is the current Ladies Professional Golf Association, honored her with its first Teaching Professional of the Year award. And if you're like, wait, what happened to the Women's Professional Golf Association that she started? Well, it went under, didn't make enough money. But the 13 athletes who were making money, including Detweiler and Didrikson, started the LPGA. She fucking started it. She went again. She's like, we're going to do it. So the entire Ladies Professional Golf Association is thanks to Detweiler. Now it's the late 1950s. She can't golf anymore. She's just teaching. 
what else is she doing? She's got this background in radio and broadcasting and knows general sports stuff. So Sports Illustrated hires her to write a regular column called Tip from the Top, the only female columnist in Sports Illustrated, <laughs> where she writes detailed tips on how to play golf. It remains very um, well-read for a long, long time. Eventually, she retires from golf proing and moves to Palm Desert, California, where she opened a very posh clothing store, uh, and she was happily employed there until she died of cancer at the age of 75 in 1990. In 1987, at a reunion LPGA tournament in Texas, uh, a reporter sought her out. She was sitting alone at the end of a, edge of a cocktail party. She was arthritic and looking pretty old and, and frail, but the reporter pinned her down and said, hey, tell me, how did all this happen? How did everything in your life happen? And Detweiler said, ah, a friend helped me here, a friend helped me there. I just had a lot of friends. What? That's that's the story of Helen Detweiler. I love her. She never married. What? She did this all by herself. How fucking refreshing is that? Jesus. I know. She's my hero. (sighs) That's not the story I thought. That was, um, I love, I love her. Delightful. Yeah. Put she's her a on a cutie too. She is. You gotta. You gotta look her up. She's. I mean, she's a fucking. Not only is she like a huge athlete, hugely influential athlete that nobody's ever heard of, but she's a goddamn war hero. You know, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Put her on a coin. Put her on a coin. I bet she, has she been on a stamp? I bet she's been on a stamp. She seems like I a good stamp so. candidate. Helen. Definitely. I think like amongst. Lady golf enthusiast. She's very well known. She's not that obscure, but let me see. Detweiler stamp. I would buy a full book of stamps based on every story we've told tonight. (laughs) She has never been on a stamp. Does she at least have like a street named after her? Some, I bet she's got a street. I'm going to jinx it every time. I feel like now. Uh, she should at least have a no tournament streets. named after her or something. Like, what the fuck? No, no, Lisa. No, she's kind of getting quickly forgotten. Karina, which is let's, both of y'all, let's start playing golf, number one. Number two. No. I'm terrible. I'm awful at no. golf and I fucking hate it. But also, I want to no. start something in the name of our good friend Helen. Okay. So, um, pilot lessons. You know, well, maybe this is now officially Weird H Brunch. The middle name is H for Helen Dow. Perfect for Helen the second. Weird H Brunch. It's Helen Junior. H J. There you H-J. go. Weird H J. Weird H J. Weird H J. Brunch. That's what we got. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That's where it ends. Cue the exit music. Yep. for more hjs follow us on all the social media platforms and rate us on all the podcast platforms it doesn't count if you only do it on one at weird brunch it's easy at weird brunch everywhere just do it and have a happy weird hj (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) 